today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. If you exclude God, life is simply meaningless. It has no meaning. If there is no judgment, then what's going to happen with all of the injustices that are a part of the journey? You know, if you have enough money and the good team of lawyers who know the loopholes in the law, well, you can not pay the same penalty oftentimes that others pay. Reaching up high with arms open wide we see You're changing our lives so we can be our heads and feet The world has fallen and because of that a broken system is in place. Despite attempts to make it right the world remains unjust. Pastor Ed tells us today that Solomon also found this to be true in his contemplation of the world. He said that the world was unjust, oppressive, and always would be without the interjection of God. This led Solomon to believe God must be real, for if there is no God to correct these inconsistencies, then mankind is no different than the animals, fighting for scraps. Now let's join Pastor Ed with today's message. We're going to be covering Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 16, all the way to chapter 4, verse 6. And Solomon is going to speak to us about the fallen world we live in and how to live in that fallen world and how not to live in that fallen world. There's a passage of scripture, I'm just going to read verse 16. And I saw something else under the sun. In the place of judgment, wickedness was there. In the place of justice, wickedness was there. He looked at the world scene and he said, it's just not right. Would you pray? Father, would you take your word and speak to us? Would it be that lamp unto our feet, that light unto our way, And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength, my Redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Many of you remember when your children were growing up how oftentimes, if it were Christmas or if it were their birthday or some other event, they might say to you, it's not fair, Mom. It's not fair, Dad. You treated her better than you treated me. You treated him better than you treated me. And then you try and explain yourself to them, and the kids would go to school. And there in school, they would discover it's not fair. Because one of the teachers would favor one of the classmates. And that would be, you know, the teacher's pet. And then a few years later, whether they're on an athletic team or whether they're in high school or college, they discover life just isn't fair. What Solomon was saying is life is not just. It's not fair. Now, 
half the world almost would look at you this morning and they would say, it's not fair. And you would be the subject of their conversation. Because three billion people live on less than two dollars a day. What it cost us to simply stop and get a cup of coffee. Simply spend two dollars without even thinking about it. If you earn $41,000, you are in the top 3% in the world of the richest people. And so for many, they look at us and say, it's not fair. Look at how they live. Look at how they experience life. Simon Wiesenthal survived the Second World War and survived concentration camp. His family and relatives, the great majority of them didn't. Over 80 of them lost their lives. But he came out of it alive. But he lost his faith in God. It wasn't the fact that he lost his relatives, but one particular scene, one particular incident left such an impression on his life that he no longer believed in God. A Nazi came and tied two Jews together. And then he put a gun into one of their mouths and he fired. And he killed both of them. And this is what that Nazi said to his corporals. See, I told you, there's no need to waste two bullets. You can kill two with one. Weisenthal concluded, and this is what he said, when I saw the oppression and the wickedness and the injustice, I couldn't comprehend it. I turned from God. Solomon is saying, if you look at life under the sun, you have to understand something. You have to understand that you live in a fallen world. And what he's saying, he makes three observations. The first observation he makes about this fallen world is this. We live in an unjust world. It's unjust. There's no justice. But you have to have heaven's perspective if if you're going to navigate through it and hold on to your faith. You have to have a heavenly perspective if you can expect to be able to get through life. And that's why in verse 17, he says, I thought in my heart, God will bring to judgment both the righteous and the wicked, for there will be a time for every activity, a time for every deed. He's carrying on the thought of the poem that he spoke earlier in the chapter, a time and a season for everything. What he's saying at this point is that when you look at life, recognize that God will eventually right every wrong and he will judge mankind. He will reverse the tables and everyone will have to give an account to him. He hammers home that point. But then... He steps out of faith 
And he comes upon the stage of earth and the stage of life. And he says, this is how an unbeliever will see it. This is someone who discounts God, who discounts that God is creator of everything. And he looks at it from verses 18 to 21. I also thought, now he's looking from an earthly perspective. He's looking from a worldly perspective. I also thought, as for men, God tests them so that they may see that they are like animals. What a thought. Did you ever look at the way people behave? You think about the atrocities in the Nazi concentration camps. You think about what has happened with Saddam Hussein gassing his own people. You look at Putin acquiring more land at the cost of human lives. You look at all of man's inhumanity to man. And what he does is he's saying, men are like animals. Man's fate, he goes on to say, is like that of an animal's. The same fate awaits both of them. As one dies, so dies the other. All have the same breath. Man has no advantage over the animal. Everything is meaningless. What he is saying again is he's coming onto the stage and he's saying, this is what life looks like if you exclude God. An animal dies, a man dies. Their carcasses both deteriorate. And if there's no God... Who knows what happens? Now, remember earlier, he said that God put eternity in our hearts. And at the end of the book, again, he reiterates the theme that everyone will have to give an account to God. And that's going to be after we die. But in this present world, injustice will happen again and again and again. That's part of the journey in this life from an earthly perspective. Paul Harvey tells the story about Gary Tyndale, and uh, he's a thief. He's in California. He robs, steals, and he's caught. And he's brought into the courtroom of Judge Rodriguez. He asks if he could just slip out for a few moments to go to the bathroom. Now, he, he goes to the bathroom, and he realizes that he is going to get it. Jail time is just awaiting him. So he decides he's going to try and escape. Picks a panel and climbs up into the ceiling. He goes south about 30 feet, and then a panel gives way, and he falls back into the courtroom right in front of Rodriguez. <laughs> uh, he might have been a good thief, but not a good escape artist. <laughs> But that really is a parable of what will happen to everyone. No one escapes God's courtroom. No one escapes God's judgment. Now, you can sing in the choir, and perhaps you mispractice, and you just mouth the words. Now, Pastor Craig is real sharp, and he'll notice those things, but... uh, Perhaps some people think they could just mouth the words and go and sing and things like that. And and some people think like that's what's going to happen when they get to heaven. 
They're going to just sing with the rest of the choir, mouth the words, and just go through the actions. No, no, no. When you stand before the judge, it's a solo. It's a solo. God will judge each of us according to how we have lived our life. He'll judge us for what we've done, what we haven't done. And so Solomon is saying, if you exclude God, life is simply meaningless. It has no meaning. If there is no judgment, then what's going to happen with all of the injustices that are a part of the journey? You know, if you have enough money and the good team of lawyers who know the loopholes in the law, well, you can not pay the same penalty oftentimes that others pay. Uh, You can slip through the system, and so many do. Or at times, you may be accused, and you're innocent, and there you're sitting in jail, as, as numerous people have, who've never committed the crime, but yet they've suffered. Our world is filled literally with injustice. We live in a fallen world. That's the world we live in. And so Solomon concludes, verse 22. Well, I'll read 20 and 21 just to comment on it. So all go to the same place, all come from the dust, and to the dust all return. We're all made from the dust of the earth. And from a worldly perspective, who knows if the spirit of man rises upward and if the spirit of the animal goes down to the earth. What are you saying? If you don't have a God, who knows? And then he goes on to say in verse 22, here is his conclusion. So I saw that there's nothing better for man to enjoy his work because that is his lot. For who can bring him to see what will happen after him? In other words, we don't know what will happen after we die. We don't know what will happen in the years to come. Leave those things in God's hands. Recognize that life is a gift from God. So enjoy the gift that God has given you. God gives men the ability to enjoy life. And so whatever you have, God's given you to do. Let the joy of the Lord fill your heart. We live in a world that is constantly under an unjust system. It's built into the system. It's built into our culture. It's a part of the journey. He makes, though, a second observation. And this observation is even more crushing because he says we live in an oppressive world, in an oppressive world. In Ecclesiastes 4.1, again I looked and I saw that all the oppression that was taking place under the sun, I saw the tears of the oppressed, they have no comforter. Power was on the side of the oppressors, they have no comfort. The idea is the powerful just do what they want and they oppress people. Didn't it bother you when 21 Coptic Christians in Egypt were beheaded. Wasn't it painful when ISIS lit on fire people? I think it was 41 that were slain and they were, women were raped, children were abused, people were killed. The oppression 
that we live in in this world is real. Solomon looked out on the scene. Now, that's not an anomaly. That's not just the 21st century. But that typifies all of human history. Solomon in his time could say, it's an oppressive world that we live in. You see the tragedy. You see the suffering. My friend... Pastor Jim and I were talking. He told me when he went to South America, he was in the country, and there many of the parents were in prison and the children were just living on their own. And the government, he was told, got the children together because they were a burden to the society and they just killed them. That goes on again and again and again. And Solomon sees it. He feels it. You just look at the news. You just look at what's going on in our world. And your heart can be heavy with burden because of the oppression that goes on. And the oppressors. It says, I look, I saw the oppression that was taking place under the sun. I saw the tears of the oppressed. There's nobody there to comfort them. Think about all of the people in North Korea that are literally being martyred in obscurity. Ever you get a chance, read the voice of the martyrs. It talks about men and women who have suffered the loss of everything because of a faith in Christ. And the oppressors just seem to grow stronger and stronger. And then he makes this statement. If there is no God, if we're living a life under the sun without a God, Listen to what he says. And I declared that the dead who had already died are happier than the living who are still alive. But better than both is he who has not yet been. In other words, you're not born. Who has not seen the evil that is done under the sun. Job felt this way when he lost his children and everything. He said, I curse the day I was born. I wish I never took a breath. And there are times in the believer's life where things just seem to fold in on you and you say, boy, Lord, I'm ready. Take me home. But what he's saying is life is filled with these type of situations because we live in a fallen world. Life is filled with injustice. Life is filled with oppression. But here, I want you to remember the words of Lowell's Famous poem, The Present Crisis. He says, truth forever on the scaffold, wrong forever on the throne. Yet the scaffold sways the future, and behind the dim unknown standeth God within the shadow, keeping watch above his own. God is watching everything. People will not be able to escape his judgment. Again, Solomon is going to hammer home that point at the end of the book. He's going to stand, say, fear God, reverence God, because everyone will have to give an account to him. And if you take God out of the equation, life doesn't make sense. With all of the injustice and all of the oppression, I like the way Longfellow captures also the idea of Lowell's poem. He says, Though the mills of God grind slowly, yet they grind exceedingly small. 
Though with patience he stands waiting, with exactness he grinds all. God will judge. So he makes the first two observations. There's injustice. There's oppression. And then he looks at man's work, his labor, his achievements. And he says that those achievements, those works, many of them are birthed out of envy. We live in an envious world. Verses 4 to 5. And I saw that all the labor and all the achievements spring, springs from man's envy of his neighbor. This too is meaningless. A chasing after the wind. The fool folds his hands and ruins himself. Now, he's looking at the two extremes. One, a person just wants more and more and more. They work overtime to get more and more and more. Like a dog chasing its tail, they just go in circles, around and around and around. And they miss out on life. I read about a man who was celebrating his 50th birthday. He had worked hard, planned hard, prepared to retire at 50. And there at his 50th birthday when he retired, he stood up and he greeted everybody and thanked them and thanked them. And then suddenly he went short of breath and he died of a heart attack. I know I've counseled people and helped them prepare for retirement and uh, talk to them and and, and, and they make all these preparations. But then retirement is changed and disturbed because suddenly God says, your time's up. We don't know when the day comes, but a day will come for all of us. It's appointed unto man once to die. Now, I know people literally, all they do is save. Take the money, save. Save. Hoarding, actually, they hoard. And they just keep the money, keep the money. Don't spend anything now. Keep everything, just hoard it. Don't live life now. I think they lose the capacity to enjoy life, and when the time comes, they won't want to spend it then anyway. I I mean, what Solomon is saying is, Don't make that mistake. But then there's the other extreme. There are those he talks about, and and the terminology he's using is this picture of someone who literally, they fold his hands and he ruins himself. Someone who just simply says, listen, I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to sit back in front of my HDTV with my feet on the cushion there and just enjoy life. You know, I'm, I'm going to go to the beach and sip whatever, Coke or Sprite or whatever. They do. But sibling, he said, no, they're, cons- they're missing it too. What you want to do is recognize that life is a gift from God. See yourself a stewardship of everything you have, a steward. But envy does. It's like the motor that drives people. <laughs> they go to their class reunion. And so they want to make sure the car is clean, the clothes look nice, and uh, they want to brag on what they've accomplished. 
because they want others to look at them and feel like, oh, oh, I'm successful. That's all we have time for today on Building in Faith Radio and invite you to join us again. In the meantime, we'd love to keep in touch with you. Our phone number is 845-462-5955. We're here to join with you in prayer for whatever is going on in your life or to answer any questions you may have about how you could have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That phone number again is 845-462-5955. Be sure to check out our website as well at buildinginfaithradio.com. There, you'll find messages from previous series available to encourage you in your walk with Jesus. We know that God is using the Building in Faith radio ministry to spread the good news of the gospel, but we encourage you to not let this be your only source for spiritual guidance. Reading the Bible, prayer, and fellowship with other believers are all extremely beneficial to anyone who wishes to grow closer to God. By getting plugged in with a local church, you'll also be able to bless others by sharing your unique gifts. If you're in the Poughkeepsie, New York area and don't have a church family, we welcome you to join us here at Faith Assembly. For location information, service times, and a calendar of other great upcoming events, visit our website at buildinginfaithradio.com and click on Back to Home page. That's all we have time for today, but join us next time right here on Building in Faith Radio as Pastor Ed continues to dig deeper into the pages of Ecclesiastes. Your word restores.